Welcome to the Sparkling Podcast, where you will meet young minds making a large impact one idea at a time. In this episode, we're talking stopping gun violence with Never Again Tech, headed by Shreya Nullapati. This is Ashna Reddy, your host. Columbine High School, 1999. Sandy Hook Elementary School, 2012. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, 2018. At least 56 students, K-12, and staff with aspirations, goals, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, and plans were killed in total at these schools due to mass shootings and gun violence. In 2017, concertgoers in Las Vegas experienced the largest mass killing to occur in America, with 489 casualties and 58 dead. Since Sandy Hook, there have been nearly 2,425 mass shootings with at least 2,737 killed and 10,106 wounded, as Vox reports. This is why it is not surprising at all that within the last couple of years, the risk of young people in schools and just people in general dying from gun violence has increased in America. The failure of political systems to solve gun violence issues has continued to lead to more and more fatal events that braze the headlines in the news with comments of prayers and hope, but no legitimate action. This became very real and very apparent to one teenager living in the heart of Littleton, Colorado. Struck by the enormity of mass shootings in her own backyard, 19-year-old Shreya Nullapati, one of 33 global teen leaders, took the initiative to try and stop mass shootings from another angle, by using tech. Shreya started hashtag NeverAgainTech, an initiative in which she gathered a group of passionate young adults like herself to work on using machine learning to stop gun violence. While this issue affects majority of Americans at varying degrees, I wanted to know why Shreya actually took the initiative to step in and take action. I wanted to know her background and why she felt so close and so tied to the issue of gun violence. I mean, I grew up in Colorado, which is kind of the epicenter for most big mass shootings, right? We have Columbine, the Aurora Theater shooting, and that kind of shaped our trajectory and history as a community. And so, and these things happened in my backyard as I'm someone from Littleton. So, I mean, it's so weird to see how, like, and my parents describe it as, like, I was born in Col- during Columbine, and that I was, like, a preteen when the Aurora shooting happened, and the most personal one that I was the most afflicted by was the STEM school shooting, and that was just last year, precise, it's almost its one-year anniversary. And in that, I had, like, family members, moreover, like, relatives in the classroom where that shooting kind of unfolded, right? And so... Really, I do find that I'm very integrated in this on a personal level because of the way that, I mean, yeah, it's like not only my age, but just my location and where I grew up. I mean, I'm so proud to call Colorado a home, but I have seen the impact and like how the community is just shattered by these incidences because of like my proximity to the my friends and family who have been personally impacted by this. So after the Marjorie Stoneman shooting on February 14th of 2018, I was very instigated to and compelled to make a difference when I heard Emma Gonzalez you know, proclaim, we call BS on the senators and policymakers who aren't doing a thing about the innocent children that are getting shot. And so I've always viewed myself as more of a technologist than an activist. So I immediately 
thought, you know, what can I do and how can I harness the power of the technology that we use to post meaningless thoughts and condolences in a way that would actually make sense and use it to empower this movement. From there, it was kind of my call to action to create Never Again Tech, you know, which was originally or still is aimed to use predictive analytics and machine learning to understand the fundamental anatomies of mass shootings. Really, that's why I think I have this like newfound level of passion to help because, you know, it's so different growing up and reading about these mass shootings and putting it in the back of your mind until the next big thing occurs versus actively looking out and preventing and reading and data collecting and putting it in a repository. There's just a kind of difference. And I think that's where my real passion lies. So yeah, I definitely find myself more personally kind of interpolated in in these incidences. And that's kind of the reason why I chose this. And that's what they say. If you're looking for an issue to solve, first, look around at your own community. And that's exactly what Shreya did. Now, to actually get hashtag never again tech off of the ground, what did Shreya do to gather support? This also led me to create a post on uh, NCWIT, which is the National Center for Women and Technology, its forum. And, you know, I kind of thought nothing of it. I just simply posted something along the lines of, I have an idea who wants to join. And to my surprise, around 150 girls right then and there, I decided to kind of join the movement. And so it only kind of grew from there. I was expecting it to kind of patter out. But as we knew that, as we see more mass shootings occur and more lives being stripped away from us, I realized, okay, you know, this is the time to really make a difference and use that technology. What about the type of expertise she received to understand gun violence and the general space that this issue lies in? We have sections that really focus on like the psychology behind it, the research and data collection, the policy side, the social advocacy side. And I wasn't really well versed in all of those different areas. So really out of these 150 responses or the initial support that we got, the most valuable thing was the mentorships and the people who were very experienced in the field, uh, adults really, who could provide some support and guidance on the direction that it would take. So that was really more valuable to us because at the end of the day, some of the senators and policymakers on our team definitely know a lot more about the gubernatorial process instead of like a high schooler or college student. Now that we understand the backstory, Let's really dive deep into the tech. How does the product actually work from the user's perspective? Yeah, I mean, I'm not allowed to disclose too much due to some of the partnerships that we have and the patents that we have pending, but I can give you a high-level overview. Is distinguishing probable versus improbable threats on social media. So a lot of the times, in fact, I think 60% of mass shooting perpetrators make their intent known online, and it's very hard to distinguish what's a hoax and what's a real threat. For example, a lot of people, unfortunately, especially kids in school, like to say things like, you know, I want to shoot up the school tomorrow. And most of the time it's jokes, but it's really hard to discern what's that versus what's a real threat, like what happened with El Paso and all these different shootings that happened in 2019. And so for us, we really use natural language processing, which is an AI technique to kind of have a machine decipher and discern the differences. Because at the end of the day, the machine can read what the human can't. So it's able to pick up on the nuanced syntax, the nuanced sentiments that are being used. And then from there, we also have different predictive, very high level predictive algorithms to determine what kind of combination, what kind of amalgamation of factors are really more indicative of a uh, shooting, you know, and specifically like 
what discerns cheating on a basic level of like four deaths versus what is something that distinguishes like what happened in Las Vegas around like 73 deaths. It's not really about predicting who's going to be the next mass shooter because there's some really, it's, I always say this, you have to use caution with that. This isn't the minority report because at the end of the day, it's so random and the last thing you want to do is profile people, especially along the racial lines or any of those other lines. You don't want to profile people. But really what this is, is looking at like, you know, some of the more common sense things kind of allude to a threat being materialized and having a machine detect it before it has to unfold and create a bigger catastrophe. As Shreya mentioned, much of the product's inner details cannot be released due to confidentiality and security reasons. But I was hoping to get just a little more information as to what types of factors she and her team are considering when trying to stop a mass shooting. More than anything, we've definitely seen a trend towards it not being a lone wolf syndrome. It's really, the media likes to portray mass shooters as like a lone wolf. He did this out of complete isolation or he or she did this out of complete isolation. Rather, we've seen a movement of hate being perpetrated in these fringe communities that kind of take form in HN. 4chan and some more deep levels of the internet where this kind of ideology often alluded to in these manifestos are perpetuated actually through multiple communities and it's not just one person espouses a hate-based or extremist-based ideology it kind of roots uh, under the surface for months and months and it finally takes form in the sense of a mass shooting so really again just to like kind of reiterate it's not lone wolf syndrome it's really if you see the trends between El Paso shooting, the Christchurch shooting, the Garland Festival, just to name a few, and the Dayton, Ohio shooting, you can see that it, was, it all had a very stringent correlation between all of them. And it's all from these hate-based ideologies that keep being perpetuated in areas of the internet, French communities that we really don't have, we don't really monitor as much as we usually should. Validation, especially for this type of scenario, is key. So how did Shreya and her team know which factors to pinpoint? What are the sources and where is the information coming from? I remember when I first started creating the project, I wanted to be as methodical as possible, specifically seeing where other people went wrong, why there's been such a like, stagnation in solving this problem, and how we can kind of tackle each of those like obstacles in a different way. So I, I kind of like came forward to my mentors with, well, how come no one tried this? Or how come this occurred, but no one like really did anything about this? And I found it uncovered answers with the help of my mentors. And it continues to still be the most methodical project I think I've ever been a part of. But really, it's a mixture of, you know, kind of using the novelty and kind of naivete a little bit of the young kids who are trying to tackle a problem, combined with the experience of the older mentors who have had like around 12 years of like trying to tackle this problem in their belt. So I think that kind of creates a powerful kind of breeding ground for innovation and solutions because it's a mixture of why I haven't combined with, well, we've tried it here, some of the realistic kind of counterparts to that. It's interesting to think about this from my point of view, where Shreya probably had some existing skills that enabled her to create the algorithms and the tech in general. So what exactly were those skills? I took a really vested interest in artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. My school didn't have any courses that are like were so specialized in computer science. So it was all kind of out of my own free will that I decided to pursue these topics. And I was pretty deep into them. 
I remember like reading about neural networks and supervised learning, you know, uh, for my in my free time. So I was thinking about all the insane applications that AI had to medicine, you know, to predicting sometimes trying to forecast the stock market, looking at all these different insane applications that no one would have foretold. And I was like, this is amazing, but if we can't use it to save basic human, what's the point? And so this kind of really was the impetus for me to use AI in this sense, because I'm always really about the most tangible and practical applications of AI. Knowing that Never Again Tech has been working for nearly three years to build the most effective solution, I wanted to know if they've had some statistical benefit, or in other words, a way to validate that their solution actually works or has a success rate. Really, the benefit of this is, you know, I think I mentioned it as a statistic that we were able to detect three big mass shootings before they occurred. And that was through our monitoring and we alerted the appropriate law enforcement agencies. And, you know, people might think three is not a lot, but if you think about the amount of casualties that resulted, it's a pretty big deal. And so Never Again Tech really is about not trying to go and, you know, interact with the perpetrators and, you know, try to prevent this from happening because... Again, there's a facet of that that's random. It's about yeah. the detection aspect of it and these where they occur. Statistically, we have very high 80 plus accuracy rates. And as we continue to build it into the 90, 100 ROC, AUC curve, sorry, it's a technical term. What we really want to do is, again, bring light to the amalgamation of factors that go into machines. Because something that's kind of bewildering is people say, I could have never seen this incident happening in my community. No, I would disagree. The signs were definitely there, but we weren't paying attention. And it's impossible to pay attention as humans because so many things happen on the internet every day. So many interactions take place. But again, using that power of like AI and automation to kind of do that work for us and eventually bring it as another layer. We don't want to substitute human analysis, but we're trying to bring it easier for the agents who have to comb through these hours and hours of threats and you know provide like some of the most valuable insights we can through ai because you know if we can use it to predict something as unpredictable as the stock market or try to forecast trends we can definitely do this for an area as prevalent as mass shootings now is there any way of nipping the problem at the bud in other words is it possible to prevent people from thinking that their ideologies justify shooting masses of people I can't emphasize this enough. You really can't change a person's ideology. People have tried before, but this is something that is so ingrained in the culture and system of the like, you know, history of the U.S. and how some people like are raised that it's very impossible to try and change that ideology. But what I can say is it is not really my duty to try and change the ideology. I'm sure there are social scientists all over the world who are trying to, you know, nip this problem at the, at the bud, as like you said. But for me as a technologist, I'm active. And see if we can instantiate preventures based on like the trends that we continue to see throughout these online posts. I'm sure most of you can agree that hashtag never again tech seems very novel, original, and fresh due to the fact that Shreya is running it and because of the approach that they are taking. However, I don't particularly know if there are any other groups in this space working on similar things. So I wanted to know if there were and how never again tech differentiates itself from the rest. There is definitely a lot of tech startups that are trying to, to name a few, I think like, like Bark AI, for example, is a tech startup that is kind of deployed on people and users' phones to determine if someone's, you know, indicative of being suicidal or violent or extremist. But 
I do place a cautionary tale on that because not to disparage them in any way, but there are instances amongst not only Bark, but other AI startups in like this predictive technology lens, like Clearview AI, for example, or Plantier, who have not been emphasizing customer privacy, you know, having millions and millions of our photos and text without our explicit permission. But I think that what differentiates us is we've, from the get-go, you know, talked with internet privacy, internet regulation specialists who are on our team to see, well, where's that fundamental difference between privacy and safety? And we kind of came to the conclusion that anything that is posted on a public forum for public knowledge, specifically as mass shooters do, you know, to get that notoriety, is something that's fair game for our technology. But again, we want to emphasize the privacy the most, which is why we're not going on the, you know, data collection, data extrication route that has a lot of gray area and unethical implication. In summation, yes, there are startups that are doing this, but for us, since we have so many people of so many different expertises on the team, we've emphasized research and tackling the problem more than anything. While other startups have deployed a product in six months, we've been working on this for about two come three years now, really looking at well, what is the best methodology for this? Because at the end of the day, we're not a bunch of, I mean, sorry for my candor, but we're not a bunch of people trying to figure out the solution to earn like VC funding. Really what we're about is a diverse group of people from communities that are affected and marginalized by this gun violence problem. And we're doing the most in-depth layer of research possible as a group of teenagers, as a group of young adults who have been facing and growing up with this problem all their lives. You know, we're called the mass shooting generation. Thereby, there's a lot more, and I'm sure there are passions and everything executed, but I think I can attest that for my team and my project, it's just such an undeniable level of passion and a will to help the world that I don't think you can find in any other project. Never Again Tech is also working on developing an app to assist with the process of healing for victims. I was especially curious about this because I have really only heard of people trying to increase the mental health resources to prevent mass shootings from happening, but I've not really heard of any type of app development for victims in mass shootings. I also wanted to know what the status was for deployment of this app. It's about trying to help the mental health aspects of survivors of gun violence. And so this is the first kind of novel app to do that. And really what the aim is, is because mass shooting victims often deal with PTSD and CPTSD years and years after a mass shooting incident unfolds. And a lot of them don't have the proper access or, you know, kind of money or the support to reach out to counselors and psychologists. So what we really did was created a community forum, you know, an online safe space for them to share their feelings about what had happened. And we also have some common PTSD skills that are API approved to kind of help them treat it. So breathing skills. We have some CBT and art journalism all in this iOS app. And we plan on deploying it to several communities that are affected, like Highlands Ranch, Colorado, like Sandy Hook in Connecticut. You know, all these different areas to see if is technology a viable solution to a very big problem. Obviously, we cannot treat the underlying facets of someone in the mental health lens of like someone who has survived a mass shooting. But what we can do is provide not necessarily temporary, but more available solutions in the meantime. So right now we're looking for support from Apple and some of the other big tech companies on really kind of flushing out the security aspects of this, because the last thing you want to do with all the digits that have been occurring in the space, uh, you know, as like someone who has a cybersecurity background, provide hackers a way to kind of manipulate sensitive, sensitive information. So 
until we beef up the security and we're kind of taking a different lens than most startups in Silicon Valley by emphasizing privacy and security first. So until we do that, I think we'll have a couple more months under our belt before we start deploying it. Clearly, Shreya has established herself as a technologist, meaning she's well aware that she strongly believes that solving this issue through tech is the most effective route. But I still wanted to ask if she would ever consider trying to change policy, or if that was something that would just derail the goal of this initiative. I mean, I'm very open to the idea. I can't say anything yet, because I want to see where this project can go with a governmental agency like the FBI, CIA, or Homeland Security. And I'm not endorsing this candidate anyway, but, you know, a big example of a technologist who ran for policy would be Andrew Yang with his UBI, his entire AI kind of spiel. So it shows that unlike before, there's no stylos or stigmas to policymakers being like born and raised only in policy. You're starting a huge wave of technologists and people who are from more of Silicon Valley-tech startup route pursuing policy. So I'm definitely open to it as long as it's based on a very ethical platform and it's based on a very, you know, methodical, like seeing what I learned from this project and applying it in more novel ways. Because I can guarantee the biggest thing about this is being nonpartisan, aligning to one party or the other in terms of the entire gun violence issue, I don't think is going to solve the problem at all. We do need someone who has been well-versed and kind of connected on both sides to kind of come forward and present a viable solution because Otherwise, we're kind of st- stuck in the same shithole that we have been for the past 20 to 30 years. That's kind of what I would see myself in the policy route being. Now, within the upcoming months, Shreya and her team will be featured in a documentary called The Great Divide. So I wanted to know what the narrative of that documentary is and how Never Again Tech fits into that narrative. So in Colorado, we're kind of on the continental divide. So The Great Divide also describes like how we're really a purple state when it comes to gun violence issues, because we do have a healthy mix of, you know, people who are really pro Second Amendment and people who are very democratic. And it's all de- depending on where you're from, actually. And so Colorado is one of the first states to be like that, you know. So really the premise of the documentaries along this great divide after Columbine, after war shooting, like where have people kind of stepped up? And so we're kind of featured in the way of here's what the young people are doing. And yes, there is a focus on activists. But I think that the producers really took a vested interest in people who were using it, again, from like a technological perspective. So, but really, the premise of the documentary is who are the untraditional heroes, the less glamorous heroes of gun violence. So, big question here. What's the ultimate vision at stake? I definitely see it as, we're kind of at the net. As we, I can't disclose too much, but we are discovering some really powerful applications of technology. And if it does come to fruition, it has has probably like tremendous impact for only how we see mass shootings, but how we see violent incidences and how they kind of come about and how this ideology and extremist based ideology kind of materializes. So that's really the biggest and most preeminent focus right now, which is developing the technology and seeing like what the possibilities are for that. But on the other hand, I do see this as becoming possibly more involved with the policy side because at the end of the day you know there is a little bit of bureaucracy when it comes to governmental agencies and how politics works but I want to see if we can provide it to the policymakers who probably don't know a lot about technology in a way that they can understand it you know we don't want another Facebook like oh is this how Google Maps works like testimonial in front of Congress rather we want to educate the policymakers based on the technology that we spent like, you know, developing. So I see the group and the organization really focusing on these lines. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. I think we're kind of at a snowball effect right now because 
I thought, you know, maybe this project would kind of peter out again one or two months after it happened. But, you know, here we are, like, knock on wood, still going really strong. So I think that there's nothing really stopping us in the future for now. For anyone trying to start something, whether it's a startup, an app, or initiative, here is Shreya's advice for the process. This sounds so cliche, but really nothing is impossible. Like, I have had so many people tell me, why are you doing this? It's not going to happen. It's not going to unfold. And yes, in the future, there's always that possibility that, you know, it doesn't work out. But really, if I I listen to all those, because for every supportive adult, there's like tenfold people who are non-supportive of this or people who don't think this is possible or people who are saying, let's just let the issue be, right? But I mean, I guess like there's a really good quote that says like the fire in me burned brighter than the fire outside of me. And that's kind of what I would really use to describe the process. If you have that, that like fire and passion to really make and compel and ma- compel others to make a difference, then it doesn't really matter what these people are saying. You know, that's why I always go back to nothing is impossible because you just have to have that patience. Things aren't going to work out because I really, you know, I wish that this was like a one night, like just dream about it and it happens kind of thing. Really, no. It, two years of ongoing efforts and like tireless, tireless nights. And so it's not like a success will eventually come, but you can't expect it to come like immediately and always be open to the different possibilities. So that's why I would always just say, you know, nothing is impossible. Now, I was super elated to chat with Shreya because as a teenager myself, gun violence was something that my generation has experienced on blast. And one of the first times I saw young people speak out about an issue on a national stage. I was especially struck by the very fact that it is really not possible to change someone's ideology. What they think and what they believe is due to their surroundings, their upbringing, and their experiences. It's tough then, way too tough to change their thinking. I think of Shreya's story as rising above all of that noise and that chit-chat and showing results with action. And this action that she's taking is not traditional, although traditional can work sometimes. It's objective and current. She is solving a current problem with current techniques and methods. The fact that she recognized the power of machine learning as not just a tool for predicting the stock market or building a robot, but actually protecting human lives has allowed her to predict three mass shootings. In my opinion, it takes someone who is authentic and has a great sense of urgency to solve this issue. Luckily, America has Shreya, who is doing the work with security and passion. Shreya and her team at Never Again Tech are looking for professionals working in the psychological and social advocacy side. Their website is neveragaintech.org, where you can find the latest updates on their developments, including existing conferences, special features like the documentary and magazines. If you align with their goals and commitment to work that they are doing, feel free to contact them with the contact info in the description. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Don't forget to hit the follow button so you don't miss a Sparkling episode every other Wednesday and give the podcast a review if you haven't already. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram at sparklingpod, all lowercase.